and welcome to Bite Size Podcast. Hello, I'm Adrian. And I'm Tally, and this is a podcast that gives you big ideas bite-sized. And after a very, very, very long break, because of both of our very, very busy lives, we have come back to you with a whole brand new series. It's about the console wars. Woo! So, obviously, everybody that plays video games knows that consoles are a thing that you play video games on. And that there's many different kinds of them. But some may not have known that behind the scenes, there was a lot of other things going on. Full, full on warfare. Full on drama. <laughs> Dude. Dish. The real tea. Let's talk about the tea. That's where, that's where we're going right the now. The console tea. We're talking about the video game, the console tea. <laughs> it's going to be great. So we we wanted to do this series because anyone who has listened to the podcast before or knows us in real life knows that we really love video games. Oh my god, gamer girls. Boop, 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 boop. Hashtag gamer girls. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag 420 Mercy Man. Don't follow me. <laughs> um, yeah, so both of us are really big gamers. Um, Adrian, I feel like you're a little bit more of a PC gamer. For sure, for sure. Um, but, I mean, we've both played, like, so many consoles in our lives, and we've both kind of, like, seen all of this kind of transpire, you know, getting the dish from Game Informer magazine back <laughs> in the day, you know. <laughs> That's a name I haven't said in yeah. a long time. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> bought some of those, though. For sure. Oh, yeah, dude. They were the best, like, toilet reading material because there's, like, you know, pictures and there's, like, you know, fun stuff and there's video games. It's great. You felt cool and informed. Yeah, about games. Crazy. You would never have guessed that from the title. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what have you been up to? Uh, so, like you said, life has been uh, pretty busy. So, um, in December, I turned 32 and I did that Jeez. in Paris and that was cool. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we were in Europe for two weeks. That was pretty neat. Never done that before. Um, <laughs> and then I came home and immediately had to jump back into showgirl lifestyle. Um, mm -hmm. So we completely rebranded our studio, Studio Disco, and we're running a bunch of like cool shows and events. And last Saturday, we had a Valentine's Day events where me and several of my girls from my troupe uh, put on an intimate burlesque evening and it was super great and it was sold out and it was amazing and then tonight we have an erotic art show um, where I will also be performing with several of my girls so it's just been super fun but also I'm tired <laughs> right yeah no I totally totally feel that yeah I haven't I mean I haven't been up to, like, that much crazy shit, because yours has, like, been, like, work-busy shit. It's just, like, I've been to San Francisco twice now, just for shows, and um, been, like, traveling around a bunch, and, like, also in the process of, like, trying to buy a new car. Um, nothing wrong with my current car, it's just, like, with the lifestyle that I'm choosing to live, it's, like, maybe not the most affordable thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, especially because, like, now I've kind of decided that at least until I get, like, my student loans paid off, I think I'm just going to kind of bounce back and forth between, like, the national parks and, like, the resort and kind of do, like, the seasonal life for, like, and just, like, live very minimalist and kind of, like, get back to that because, like, I lost, like, moving back to Rapid City, 
um, you don't realize, like, how much shit you accumulate in, like, a two-year span. Oh, yeah. Until you have to, like, look at it. Pack it all up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, like, I've I've kind of, like, acquired all of these, like, things that are, like, not necessities. And I've, like, very much, like, changed my style of thinking from, like, minimalist and, like, traveling to, um, like, home base kind of, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, like, not really, like, a life that I'm trying to get attached to right now. And so because right. of that, uh, I'm in the process of buying a new, well, not new. It's a 1984 Subaru Justy. <laughs> yeah, fuck and yeah. It's a f- Dude, yeah, right? I've seen it's the pictures, and it looks amazing. <laughs> I know. It's so pretty. I don't even, like, me and Tori are like, you should call it the Drift Shrimp. <laughs> it's, like, it's red, and, like, my friend's, like, my friend really wants me to, like, let him turn it into, like, a race car, and I'm like, I don't know about that, but it's, like, super cute. It's bright-ass red. It's a five-speed, three-cylinder, <laughs> uh, four-wheel drive. Yeah, fuck yeah. So it's, like, super rare, and it's in great condition. There's only, like, 100 miles on the engine. So it's going to be super great. Dude, so. Exhibit would have a fucking field day with that car. Dude, I know. He'd <laughs> pimp the shit out of my ride. I'm pretty sure there was a Justy episode. Dude, when I was in when I was in a shitty punk band, we had a song called Pimp My Ride. And it was Dude, dedicated absolutely. to the show. Fucking it was exhibit. amazing. Just living at the speed of life, you know? <laughs> I think that's Exhibit. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. I don't know. Anyways. No one's going to fact check that. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> um, that would be a cool series to do, like, looking at, like, reality television. I feel like that would be fun. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Let's throw it on the docket. Right. It's a big docket, so maybe we shouldn't get too ahead of ourselves <laughs> quite yet. Anyways, so uh, yeah. So now that we've kind of caught up, um, let's uh, let's jump right into it. So, welcome. Let's fucking jump back to... Uh, what are we starting in the 70s yeah we're going all the way back to the 70s so like jumping right into the thunderdome uh i'm gonna start off with the magnavox odyssey also known as the brown box um so oh my oh my (laughs) so way back in the day obviously i feel like everybody probably well not maybe not everybody but like i remember going to like my grandparents house and they had like the big ass magnavox tv that had like this tiny screen but it was like a giant tv like that's what we're talking right now Um, it's just thick boys dude thick damn damn he thick (laughs) it's a thick Thick ass three c's (laughs) three c's so good um, so the Odyssey was the first commercial home video game console. Uh, it was developed by a man named Ralph H. Bayer, is I think how it's pronounced. Um, and his small team at a company called Sanders Associates. So it was released by Magnavox in the United States in September of 1972 and overseas the following year. Uh, based on the 1972 Magnavox promotional film, which is available on YouTube for anyone that wants to go check that out. The Odyssey Jesus. came with... 12 fun and unique games and it's so great because it's got that like the world of tomorrow today kind of like the voice (laughs) from like those commercials like it's literally the funniest fucking thing ever um but the so the odyssey was connected to uh that like the little antenna connector on the back with an adapter um on either color or black and white tv uh with a switch that allowed you to go between your regularly scheduled broadcasting and the audio odyssey system um, so it's like kind of like how you had on um like an NES for example, like you had the channel three, channel four switch. Right. It was kinda pretty much the same thing. Um 
And then from the switch, you connected the main control system. Um, and then from that control system, that's where you plugged in the cartridges and you could attach the first and second player controls. Um, so the player can, also there wasn't any one player games. It was just two player, oh, <laughs> which okay. was something that I found interesting. Um, so the player controls consisted of small rectangular boxes and they had a horizontal dial and a vertical dial. And then on the side, they had an English control. That's like English as in like, uh, the spin that you put on like a, like a cue ball when you're playing pool. Not right, right, right. English as in suddenly the TV started speaking with an accent. <laughs> um, but that was like aimed mostly for use with the Odyssey tennis game, it looks like to me. Um, and then uh, the Odyssey essentially displayed three square dots, which were moved by the controllers for the 12 different games that were included. Um, and because it was so simple, it was just displaying monochrome white shapes on a blank black screen and had no sound capabilities. So each of the games that came with the original set had like a plastic overlay that was like, uh, it was see-through. So the, the lights shone through over this overlay. So like, for example, with the tennis game, like you'd have this plastic overlay and it looked like a tennis court so that when you were moving the controls, like that's what, that's what it was. Cause there was no that's graphic cool. capabilities. Yeah. It's super, super original. Like, I mean, especially, I think we're at this point we were getting into like the realm of like, uh, people are starting to like develop arcade games outside of you know, pinball and stuff like that. So it's like right. it was super innovative and especially to like I think watching the movie it was like like the promotional like the commercial. It was kind of like aimed at like when you don't want to go outside, you can you know, it's a rainy day and <laughs> blah blah blah. You play the the Odyssey and it's great. So honestly, I mean, for what it was, it was super original and it obviously, as we'll get to later on in the episode, um, was an inspiration for a lot of things. So um so like I said, this was released in uh, uh, 1972 in the United States, and then the UK released in 1973. The rest of the EU and Japan were released in 1974. Um, so <laughs> the funny thing is, is, like, I don't remember, so like my parents, I know, probably did not have a TV, like back in the day. Um I mean, my parents were born in the 60s, so this was 73. I can almost guarantee that, like, they didn't have, like, all any but one, you know, television set because they weren't very well off. And the introductory price for this was $100. So that's approximately $611 in 2019. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it was, like, it was pretty pricey. I think I remember... Yeah, that's a lot of fucking clamshells. Yeah, dude, those clams. That's some Monet. That's some straight Claude right there. <laughs> um, so surprisingly enough, though, uh, it was discontinued in 1975, and the total amount of units sold was 350,000. So Dang. when you think about how fucking expensive it was, how many people were, you know, in the United States at that time owned television, I mean, it really didn't do that bad. Right. Um, and then... Which, and it was kind of... Like, that's kind of a promising thing probably back then. Like, oh, shit, people really want these. Yeah, people want these games. Like, people want something to be able to do for, like, the television. The technology's changing. Absolutely. Um, so in May of 1972, uh, Nolan Bushnell, who is a designer of computer space and the chief engineer of uh, Nutting Associates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 12. Um, they saw a display test of the Odyssey. He then quit his position at Nutting and started his own company called Atari. 
uh, and assigned Alan A- Alcor- eh, Alan Alcorn to develop a ping pong arcade game without telling him of the Odyssey game test. The arcade version was a hit and also helped to push sales of the Odyssey itself. However, in 1974, after multiple companies had developed similar systems and, and games, Magnemoth and Sanders ended up suing several of these companies over Bayer's patents for video games played on a television screen. Um, so Magnavox and Sanders, essentially what they did is they waited, knowing that their game was popular, <laughs> they waited until all of these other companies that were starting to do the same thing started making money so that they could sue them. Dang. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do it, you might as well, like, let it play out like that. Um, so it, in total, with all of the suits, Magnavox ended up winning over $100 million from all of their lawsuits, well over the amount generated by the sale of the Jesus Odyssey Christ. itself. Like $100 yeah. million dollars in 1970s money? Yeah, that's like literally every dollar. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So like every, it's, yeah, every U.S. dollar that was ever printed... <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think when I looked at it, it was like something like a hundred or one million dollars in of of 1975 money to now money was like four million dollars. So like essentially is like over four hundred million. It's I'm bad at math, but it's a lot of money. <laughs> Jeez, so the I'm, it's probably safe to say that some of those families are still wealthy because of that. Oh yeah, just because of that one suit for sure. And I don't know that I don't I haven't seen a Magnavox anything in a really long time. I don't think but, anyone uh, has. No, but I'm I'm sure they're still very 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 well off. Um, right. So with Atari itself, even they settled for 1.5 million. Uh, at that point, they licensed <laughs> just just a measly 1.5 million. <laughs> I know, just one point. I know it was just <laughs> 1.5 million. I know. <laughs> I know it's not much, but this is what we can do right now. Just a drop in the bucket. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but they, lic- they ended up licensing the technology for Magnavox to continue marketing Pong in its subsequent games. Um, so obviously, like, there's a lot of history there, like, between... Um, I'm like you're doing Atari Pong next, so like that's that's the whole thing there. But yeah, um, even just looking at the Magnavox's influence on arcade games, because that's what it started out as, you know, right? Um, before Pong even came to the home, it was an arcade game. Yeah, which is where I pick up. <laughs> yeah, tell us about it, Stud. Okay, so let me tell you <laughs> about this Atari Pong. <laughs> Um, I got most of this information from computerhistory.org.uk <laughs> and uh, Wikipedia, obviously. Um, <laughs> very long name, very short name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like you said, the Atari Pong um, was at first an arcade game, and it was released in 1972 by Atari Inc., if you can believe it. And huh, it wow. is, I know, right? Um, crazy. It I is considered thought. the first commercially successful video game, um, just like the arcade unit. Um, but eventually, since it was so popular and people loved it so much, um, they decided to make a home version, which was called Home Pong. Oh my god, no way! That's insane! <laughs> I never would have thought that ever in a million years. Holy shit. Yeah, very original, uh, flashy right. name. <laughs> Well, I can't uh, believe. How did they even think of it? Wow, I have genius. no idea that they they Absolutely. had a think tank. They had the first Remarkable. think tank. 
beautiful. What is that Lady Gaga gif that I see everywhere? Excellent, beautiful, unique, <laughs> never the same. Absolutely amazing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she was saying that about <laughs> Hombong. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was uh, released in 1975. And that holiday season, they sold 150,000 units, um, which is pretty impressive <laughs> for just a holiday season. Right. Um, well, considering, I mean, even the Odyssey system sold 350,000 in three years that it yeah. was still active. So that's pretty fucking impressive. <laughs> yeah. Super dope. Uh, so they, they sold um, in like Sears and stuff like that back in the day. And Sears, wow. yeah, um, I don't think <laughs> Sears is alive today anymore. <laughs> Right. I know we don't have one anymore. They were going to turn it into a roller rink, but then they did I feel like that's what you have to do. Yeah, absolutely. Turn there's talk of our, um, there's talk of our closed down Kmart here, possibly turning into like an adult arcade. I'm hoping for like a Dave and Buster's situation. Dude, I would really love for that. I went to Dave and Buster's for the first time recently. It was fucking amazing. Oh yeah. I went to one in Omaha several years ago. They're dope. Yeah. It's, it's fucking dope. Yeah. Anyways. anyways yeah. Home pong. Back to Sears. <laughs> <laughs> Sears. <laughs> um, so this is when Sears was still making money. So they were like super stoked about this home pong situation. And the home pong console um, won the Sears Quality Excellence Award, um, which no one has heard of until today. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. They were um, super stoked about it. So, for those of you that don't know, Pong is that game that's uh, pretty much like tennis. There's two players, uh, there's two paddles on the screen, and they're just balling. Almost as if it's ping pong. Almost as if it's ping pong. And they're just <laughs> volleying the ball back and forth. And that's right, right. That's it. That's the game. That's literally that's all there is to it. And right. that's all Home Pong ever did. <laughs> Um, but people Boop. loved it. <laughs> Boop. Boop. And people Boop. loved it so Boop. much that the arcade game was reported to have consistently earned four times more revenue than any other coin-operated machine. So oh, shit, dude. Yeah, fucking so nuts. But that's what led to the success of Home Pong, is people were like, I don't ever want to leave my house. I'll do this at home. Wow, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally same. <laughs> Yeah. So the company eventually sold like um, three, 35,000 cabinets of like the arcade game, um, which, mm -hmm. you know, lim uh, supplied the success of the home console as well. Um, and I think there's like still imitations out there today. Um, like, I know I've seen um, like tutorials on the internet where you can get like an old computer screen or something and you can just build the cabinet yourself and put all the stickers on it and then you can just play pong um because i was looking at doing that for galaga because galaga is my jam um well i think um chance has like a cabinet that's like that that's got he's got it hooked up to like a monitor within a cabinet and then his laptop's connected to it and he's got like emulators oh dope so yeah, yeah. things like that are happening all over yeah. still because it was so popular that people still want to do yep. it today i see i always am like i'm always super 
not critical, I would say, necessarily, but I'm like, wow, I can't believe that in a world of, like, AAA games that, like, anyone would be interested in doing that. But I remember when I was a kid, there was, I think it was Pong Revolution or Evolution or something released for the PlayStation 1. Um, and it was essentially, it was still Pong, but you could do, like, cool, like, weird uh like trick shots and like there was different maps and oh, was, dang. Like, in different directions and like yeah no it was super interesting but i played that game like literally for hours for hours like my mom would come down and be like your legs are growing <laughs> into the recliner you need to go outside your yeah. eyes are more bloodshot than an alcoholic 40 year old man who's just been divorced like <laughs> You need to do something with your life. And it's like, no, I'm just playing Pong. Mom. You got to get that Pong, understand. man. Got to get that sweet, sweet Pong. <laughs> that sweet Pong. Um, yeah. So Home Pong originally sold for um, 55 American dollars, which is okay. less than $600 in today's right. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more on the affordability side. Yeah. But it also just speaks to the power of Pong because it was like it was less money, it had less games, and it sold way, 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 way more. Yeah. And people fucking loved less it. Less games. They have one game. They still love it today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pong Seekers. That would be a fun show. I would watch that show. There probably is something out there. Maybe we'll do <laughs> like an antique road show, but we just travel the world and play old cabinet games. <laughs> Dude, I'm so down. Okay, let's do it next summer. Yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> we'll travel around in your Justy. <laughs> yeah, we'll travel around in the 89 Justy, and which gets like 50 miles to the gallon and weighs two pounds. It'll be great. It's got a hatchback. It's perfect. A decent sized trunk. I'm surprised. Dope. This car is like, it's such a boat for such a tiny fucking car. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and we'll travel around, we'll find, like, all of the, like, landmark, uh, things. Yeah. Maybe we'll get, we can bring Destin with us. We'll bring Destin and he'll, like, video, uh, videograph our journey to, like, all of the oldest arcades playing, like, all of the old cool games. Cool. I'm in. Look for that in any, any time (laughs) between now and ten years from now. Right, you know, when we get around to it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, so obviously Atari was on a roll with the uh, Pong, so uh, what was next? So, uh, following the success of the Atari Pong, Atari decided to just keep it going, and they rolled out with the Atari 2600. Uh, so this was released Smith. in 75, or 75, uh, 77, and it was originally called the Atari VCS, uh, and then they changed it to 2600, and I don't really know why, but they did that in 1982, and uh, <laughs> it stuck. <laughs> um, right, yeah. Yeah, so it was the um, the best-selling Christmas gift in 1979, and by 1982, when it changed its name, the system had already sold 10 million units. Um, Holy shit. Which fucking blows the other one's out of the water literally just dead like that's impressive in today's standards so yeah um, i mean yeah that's insane that's insane yeah oh by the way quick uh quick intermission here um so it's called the 2600 because that's the part number that the company used to tell the difference in version so it was an upgrade from the vcs that was released okay okay and that was 2600 was the part number so there you go yeah. That's like how 
at my job, we have uh, various laptops that we hand out, and we call them by their weird names, too. Yeah. Like the P728s. Yeah, did you <laughs> the get model that, uh, we're on right that now. P, P728? Did you get that one? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> oh, you're still on the 902? Oh, Shitty, bro. <laughs> True. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, so the 2600 um, was discontinued in 1990 domestically and in 92 internationally. Mm. Uh, but it fucking slayed over those 13 years. Yeah. Um, it was credited with popularizing the use of microprocessor-based hardware and games stored on ROM cartridges. And mm. just a quick side note, the ROM cartridges were first seen by the Fair- Fairchild Channel F console, mm-hmm. and Atari was just like, yoink. Give me that. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> oh, is that yours? Oh, I'm sorry. Is this yours? Let me... I'm just going to take it. It's fine. I'm just going to take it, and I'm going to do it just a little bit better than you did. <laughs> just noticeably better than you. Just barely noticeably so, better than you. Yeah. So that was Atari's MO. Uh, so the Atari, it came with two joysticks and two paddles and one game cartridge. So if you, you know, bought the package deal, everyone came with a game. Um, the first game that they came out with was, um, Combat and, um, it had 27 games on it and they were all based on like tanks and biplanes and jets and stuff, which I personally, yeah, (laughs) I personally like fucking, I don't care about that stuff at all. I've never been Um, Yeah. And I'm guessing that not like a whole bunch of people were because then they started um, pushing them out with Pac-Man and everyone fucking freaked out. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because like it's fucking Pac-Man. So it makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Pac-Man was their most uh, popular game Hmm. and they sold over 7 million copies of it. (laughs) Damn. Okay. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Atari kind of peaked in 1982 and this is when uh, they started to see, like, third-party titles and, like, a bunch of bad licensing decisions, um, like E.T. and stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> started, God. like, yeah. Oh. Alien friend and me. I'm sorry, did you ever watch Code <laughs> <Yeah>. Monkeys? <laughs> oh, yes, I did. <laughs> oh, my God. I think that's probably, like, okay, I'm a big cartoon person, and honestly, that's, like, my favorite episode of any show is, like, the fucking guy, like... <laughs> oh, yeah, you won the rights to go see, like, you get to see the movie first, and, like, you get to go do the game research so that we can make this game, and, like, it's gonna be great. And he just, like, sells it to some fucking nerd in a Star Wars costume and goes to the fucking strip club. It's like, yes, absolutely. That makes total fucking (laughs) sense. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, all these third-party titles started being pushed out, and they were impacting uh, the company, and Atari started to see, like, some major fucking losses, Mm -hmm. because all these poor quality games were just pouring onto the market and they were cheaper than the higher quality games. Right. And back then, you know, people didn't know that, you know, that they're probably going to be shitty. Right. They don't have like, like we can look at a game now and be like, that looks like fucking trash. No wonder it's $5. Right. Um, Back then they were like, I just spent all this money for my kid's Christmas present. I'm just going to buy a bunch of these cheap games and it'll be great. Right. And then the kids are like, this fucking sucks. I hate you. Yeah, so then everyone's like, yeah, fuck you, dad. You're not my real dad. (laughs) So all these people started to be like, well, video games suck. Right. And it kind of like made everyone suffer as a whole because all these higher quality games that people actually like 
put time and effort into, they weren't selling. And then, you know, then the great video game crash of 84 kind of took hold and a bunch of companies were like floundering because of it. Mm-hmm. And Atari had a lot to do with it. Um, and a lot of that was not only these third party titles and all these weird licensing decisions that they did, but they were also very weirdly inflexible with their inventory requirements. Okay. So they were basically forcing their retail outlets like Sears and stuff. Um, Sears. They were forcing all of these. Yeah. Always (laughs) Sears. Always Sears. (laughs) They were forcing um, these people to like overstock all their games, um, but nobody was buying them. Nobody wanted to spend money on these higher quality games because people had already made up their minds that video games were trash. Right. So all these places were overstocked. Nobody's buying them. And then, uh, it was around this time as well that Warner Communications sold a big chunk of their stock in Atari, um, which used to be like their cash cow, and it wasn't anymore. So they were like, fuck this. Right. And then um, ex-Commodore executive and founder Jack Tramiel, um, he was the one that was like doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't, he like didn't care about video games. Pretty much. He saw it as, like, this dead-end situation, um, and he decided uh, to scrap. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) He probably ate so much crow. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But uh, he put a stop to, like, the Atari 2600 redesign and, like, a backwards-compatible next-generation 7800 Pro system that was in the works, and he was like, no, fuck video games. We're going to pursue Atari computers. Um, and we all know how that went because nobody has ever heard of Atari computers. Right. You know, I love my Atari <laughs> laptop. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. So decisions yeah. were made and they were bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bad Heads up. Spoiler alert. They were fucking bad decisions. Yeah. Someone made a real boo-boo. Someone made an yeah. oopsie. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So... He's, like, making all these decisions, and it's not good. And by the time that they discover, like, Atari computers was not the way to go, it was already too late, and Atari, at this point, was trying to catch up with the NES, but the NES had, like, fucking crushed everything. Just demolished everyone's lives. Yeah. So before you take over... You like that? How about now, bitch? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Eat my fucking banana pills, you piece of shit. (laughs) Right? Oh, fucking blue shell your whole life, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So before you take over and talk about the NES, um, I'm just going to give some quick stats about the Atari. Okay. Uh, Notable games include Pac-Man, Space Invaders, Asteroids, that blemish E.T., the extraterrestrial, and Frogger, which is one of my personal favorites. <laughs> sure, I fucking love Frogger. I'm so good at that it's game. It's so good. It's literally, it's like relaxing and stressful at the same time. I don't know. It's great. Right. Yeah. And it's cute. I like yeah. it. It's cute. Yeah. Um, it was released in 77. It died in 92. Um, the introductory price was $199, which is $839 in today's monies. Jesus fucking so, Christ. Yeah, thinking back to how they sold like 10 million copies or units, I guess. Right. That's fucking insane. Yeah, that's really crazy. Yeah, Man. and they, by um, by 2004, they had sold 30 million Atari 2600s. Damn. 
fucking did yeah. it, son. That's nothing to sneeze at. Right, yeah, for sure. And uh, their best-selling game, of course, was Pac-Man. Right. So, yeah, that's the Atari 2600. Um, I personally have never played one. I've seen one at a garage sale, and that's about it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've even seen one in real life. I know my mom. So my mom was like super fucking computer nerd, which is <clears throat> strange considering her like upbringing and like what she did for like the first like half of her life. But like when computers started getting really big, like she was really into that shit. So she was like, and she was also very like into like the whole D and D thing and like oh right. So it was know, a natural progression. Yeah, it was just a natural progression. So, I mean, she used to talk about it. I'm pretty sure she had an Atari 2600. And um, and we always had video games in the house. So, like, I mean, that's obviously why we're doing this now. Right. Like, that was, like, a big influential part of my life. Yeah, I literally grew up with video games. <clears throat> yeah, my entire life. I used to spend hours playing fucking... Uh, even, so, when we used to go on, like... <laughs> when I was younger, we used to go on, like, this big family vacation loop from, like... Um, we'd go, like, through, like, Flathead Lake, Montana, and, like, Glacier and then like visit friends and family in South Dakota and then like come back through like Grand Teton and Yellowstone and like do this big loop and it was like a whole thing and we had this giant Winnebago and um and the NES and we just, like we would just take it with us and we'd play like we'd be playing like Final Fantasy I know that sounds so fucking stupid it's <laughs> like you're in nature like go I mean obviously we did like nature stuff too right. and like we went hiking and fishing and stuff like that but it's like you know and it's time to turn in it's like getting dark outside and there's mosquitoes you could come into the to the NES and then there it was you know yeah it was my first babysitter <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so let's jump into it. The savior of our lives, the, uh, yes. the beautiful, talented, uh, magical NES. Uh, so that NES... beautiful boxy bastard. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, look at that. The, the aerodynamics on that thing. <laughs> Jeez, he could kill someone with that motherfucker. <laughs> I'm sure you, <clears throat> someone has. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> let's call my favorite murder. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the NES is a work of art in two parts. The uh, the origin of the Nintendo Entertainment System was the company's family computer, also known as Famicom, which was launched only in Japan two years prior to the NES. Cute. Uh, it was originally, oh, yeah, right? Famicom. Like, it's so fucking, ah, it's so great. <laughs> Um, so it was originally launched to a test market in New York City in October of 1985, uh, the NES then soon took their test launches to Los Angeles in February of 1986, followed quickly by Chicago and San Francisco, and then a full North American launch, including some countries in Europe in 1986, followed by Australia and the rest of the European markets in 1987. So obviously the story of the NES is very, very closely uh, tied with the uh, great North American video game crash of 1984. Um, it was known as the Atari Shock in Japan. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, so in the depths of a flooded console market that consisted of console systems with swappable ROM game cartridges, because ROM was super easy because it's just memory, you know? Right. Like, you're just storing it on a ROM memory card. Um, so because everything was so flooded out... And there was a rising popularity of the personal computer and its gaming abilities. Looking at you, Apple II. Uh, <laughs> the United States and most of North America suffered from a drop in revenues of video game sales equaling almost 97% between 
between 1983 and 1985. That's a lot for three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so the game crash was so serious that it effectively ended the second generation of console video games in the region, as you're talking about with the, you know, the nixing on the next-gen Atari system, and I'm sure there were many other console systems that were just like, yeah, nah, not gonna do this. Um, so, however... In 1985, it was the NES to the rescue with a fresh and innovative console system that incorporated their success in the arcade game industry and brought it to home gamers. So, uh, the originally released as, like I said, the family computer of Famicom in Japan, it was for 148, or sorry, 14,800 yen, which is equal to 18, and I'm still not sure on this number, is that equal to 18,400 yen in 2019? I don't know if I actually did that correctly, if that's real, or if I just wrote that because I wasn't paying attention. I'll have to double check (laughs) on that one. Um, But essentially, with Japan, at least for right now's exchange rate, essentially you just move the decimal point over two places. So that would have been approximately like $150. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So the system came with ports of Nintendo's very, very successful arcade titles, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., and Popeye, which is a game that I've actually never played. I've never played Popeye. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, there was a bad chipset that caused the initial release to flop. Um, however, they did the product recall, um, kind of finessed it, and, uh, reissued it with a new motherboard. Um, and then the Famicom became immensely popular, topping out as the best game console in Japan by the end of 1984. And, uh, so obviously with that success, because they were like oh, we've got this product, but there's, like, you know, the whole game flop thing. Like, Nintendo was very, very wary about what they were, like, how they were moving and what they were doing. So in, um, obviously, they wanted to move to North American markets after, like, the re-release and its success, and they actually were supposed to release it under Atari as the Nintendo Advanced Video System. However, plans were never materialized because the CEO of Atari at that time, um decided to, because things were looking so dismal, he was the only person that was, like, setting up this deal with Nintendo and who was, like, shaking and, and moving and jiving. Right, right. And after the video games crash, he dumped all of his stock, like, uh, Warner, or what, what was the company? Warner Communications. Yeah, Warner Communications. So he dumped his stock as well because he was like, well, I don't want to, like, suffer this much of a loss if this is where it's going. You know, this is my last-ditch effort. And because the company found out that he had done that, he was removed as CEO and plans to uh, bring the Nintendo to American markets under Atari uh, never materialized because of that. Jesus. Yeah. I bet he felt (laughs) fucking stupid later. (laughs) Right, yeah. Can you fucking imagine? Um, so all in total across the world, the Nintendo Entertainment System sold 61.91 million total consoles Jesus. by the end of 2004. Yeah. Holy fuck. Um, so of course that, that approach is $6 billion in sales with 715 licensed video games. Dang. Yeah. That's a lot, dude. Yeah. The NES shook the world, man. It was, it was a crazy system. Like, and I mean, I, so we had... I believe we got the NES when I was, like, three. Okay, okay. And I left it, actually, here at Kirkwood with a friend when I was 19, and I had it for that entire Dang. time. Yeah, they were little tanks. Still are. 
Because I think, I'm pretty sure we still have one or two at the house. And my my grandparents, yeah. we lived with my grandma when I was uh, young. She had one. And um, mm-hmm. like a good traditional Mexican family, we had like 400 people living in that house. So um, we all would mm-hmm. just like sit she put it in the formal living room so we wouldn't destroy like Ooh. the the place but we would all just uh sit there and didn't just take turns forever playing nintendo and we were in we were in washington so it rained all the time so yeah yeah never want to go outside Absolutely. yeah it's a really good way to train yourself to never leave your house and just play video games instead <laughs> yeah i'm still doing it to this day <laughs> literally a tradition <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, so, I mean, obviously, like, the 2600 did really good, but the the NES was something that not only revolutionized the way that gaming, um, worked, I mean, like, some of the the graphic quality for some of these games, like, I mean, the original Mario Kart came out on NES. Oh, did it really? It was NES, actually. Actually, I think it was the Super Nintendo. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm I'm pretty sure it was the Super which we'll be talking about. We will be talking about, but, yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, it's all, it's all the same you know, technology and it, so it did that. And it also revitalized the gaming industry when everyone thought that, you know, this was something that wasn't going to last and this was something that wasn't going to be successful and yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, they really turned it around. Yeah. Yeah. They did the damn thing. Cool. Yeah. So there's round one or two. Um, So I feel like personally for me, I'm going to say out of the Magnavox versus Home Pong, I'm going to say Pong one. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was a that was a clear win for yeah. It was a clear win. Even though Pong. I mean, technically, Odyssey made more on uh, all of those lawsuits. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, we're evaluating on multiple multiple qualifiers. So yeah, absolutely, Atari Pong. And then for the twenty six hundred versus the NES, I'm going to say the NES won on this one. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I think the twenty six hundred put up a really good fight. Um, but I think they, uh, they really dropped the ball, um, after their peak. I feel like also, yeah, when you, when your company has like a history of like, you know, not necessarily stealing technology, but you know, stealing technology and like kind of making shady back alley deals and things like that. Like it's only to be expected. (laughs) Yeah. Eventually you'll fall. (laughs) Right. Right. Too big to fail is not a real thing. As we've learned throughout the yeah. history of the country, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so moving on. Uh, now that we've gotten uh, those first two rounds settled, what have you been? Uh, what have you been playing recently? So I haven't really got to play much since I've been home um, because I finally rebuilt my computer. Yes, and it, oh, it feels so. Good, because back in <laughs> December, I um, I think I was just gonna upgrade my processor, and then mm-hmm. like I I couldn't because I needed to get a new system board. If I got a new system board, I was gonna have to get a new uh, graphics card. So I just I just right. got all new everything. <laughs> right, um, all new everything. Somebody call exhibit. We trying to pimp your ride. <laughs> Yeah, I got, I even got, like, a new tower, I got a new second monitor, like, nice. I was just like, fuck it, if I'm doing this, I'm, fucking I might as well it. do this, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, well, that's I'm, awesome. I'm really excited, I think tomorrow, actually, um, I, I have made zero plans, 
I'm going to keep it that way. And mm-hmm. I'm really going to fucking open this thing up. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> some uh, some benchmarks and yeah. test the Cat- thingies with the stuff. Yeah, I will be uh, hanging out in Overwatch a lot. <laughs> yes! I wish that I had it for PC. I wish that I had I a fucking computer. I'm thinking about just, like, buying, like, an actual, like, a gaming laptop. Like, an Asus or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, or Asus, or whatever the fuck you spell. I don't know. Asus makes Do sense it. to me. I don't know. Get over here and play Overwatch with me electronically. Right, but also, <laughs> I just saw the fucking, uh, the new Jinji Ito-inspired, HP Lovecraft-inspired horror game just dropped recently. Like, yes. the last couple of days, fucking yep. World of Horror. And I want to play that so fucking bad, but I don't think that my laptop would be able to handle it. Uh, so yeah, that's what's gonna happen with your next paycheck. <laughs> yeah, literally my whole ass, like, I get paid, well, yeah, I get my tax return should be coming, and then I'm buying my car, and then I should have a couple hundred dollars left over, and then I get paid on top of that, so I'm probably, yeah, I'm just gonna buy, like, a, Dope. like a gaming laptop, so that I have it, and it's portable. So then you have it. Yeah, and it's portable. <laughs> I have to buy a mouse, too. And then I have a headset, but the rest of it, I just have to buy an actual fucking, I just have to do the damn thing, you know? Yeah. Because we need to play Overwatch. It's been too long. It's literally been so long. (laughs) Rip Overclocks. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm so sad. So, um, Um, what, what consoles are we going to talk about next episode? Do you have our list pulled up? Uh, yeah, actually I do. So obviously this first one, we kind of like hit the basics and hit the ground running with the original consoles. Um, so next up, we're actually going to revisit the NES, kind of go a little bit more in depth with the technology there. And then also the Sega Genesis. Um, and then we're going to also be looking at the introduction of the Super Nintendo Entertainment System versus the Sega. Um, and also kind of looking at the introduction of the video game rating console, which was like a huge moment. Um, And then we also are going to be looking at the Sega Saturn versus the PlayStation 1, um, which is going to be the first 32-bit console slash CD console. Yeah, Um, I'm so excited. Yeah, so that one's going to be really good. And that's what we're looking at in our next episode. And then for me, I I just bought a Switch. (gasps) Oh, right, you did! Yeah, so... What are you playing on the Switch? So I am... I've been trying to, like, pay off some bills and stuff, and now I realize that I have a full $30,000 in student debt that I've been trying to pay off, so I'm a <laughs> dope, little dope. bit broke. Um, so the only thing that I bought with it was Mario Kart, because I figured that's, like, one of the most utilitarian games, and I've never been a huge Smash person. Yeah, me either. But I fucking love so a Mario Kart. Oh, dude, Mario Kart is so much fucking fun. So I literally, I'm trying to 100% Mario Kart right now, and I'm actually very close. I'm like three-fourths of the way done with 100cc at this point. I've already done the 50, I think it's 50cc or whatever. Maybe it's 80. I don't know. But the the first round, I've already done that, and I'm half like over halfway through 100cc right now. So doing pretty good. I've also gotten really fucking good at Mario Kart. (laughs) (laughs) Dope. I'm like the reigning champ of like people that like happen to come into my office when I bring my switch into work because I'll be like, oh, you want to fucking go? No, I didn't. I never asked for any of this aggression and I feel really pressured right now. Too bad, bitch. (laughs) We're going right now. This is literally how it goes. Uh, Doing pretty good with that. Uh, And then also Stardew Valley I've been playing. 
Oh, yeah. I love Stardew. I have it on my yeah. PC. Yeah, it's so, it's just calming, and it's like, you know, I have, like, a you know, set of goals, and it's, like, it, it's really teaching me to, like, slow down. It's, like, I don't play, like, a lot of, like, a whole lot of MMOs. I played Final Fantasy eleven. Yeah. This is the one that's still active and going really strong, A Realm Reborn. Um, I'm pretty um, sure they're all active and strong. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. But that's the one that, like, it keeps getting... I think it's Final Fantasy Eleven that keeps getting, like, updates. Either that or Final Fantasy Thirteen. I just know it was after... It was sometime near Twelve, because Twelve is my favorite Final Fantasy. And, um... I'm a 10-2, so girl. The only thing. Huh? So I'm a 10-2, girl. Oh, yes, dude. Lady power, for sure. I'm here for it. <laughs> Dude, I loved it. I loved it. It was so good. Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy rules everything around me. I based times and periods of my life based on what I what Final Fantasy I was playing. But I played nice. that a lot. But I, other than that, like I've never been super into like MMOs. Like I was never like a huge WoW person or anything like that. But I threw um, my life away on WoW for a good solid seven months. Right, yeah. I yeah. know a person that got, like, kicked out of college because he got, like, somebody introduced him to WoW and that's all he wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I literally, <laughs> I literally called into work several times to play WoW. I was yeah, going through a funny. grieving process, so, you know, there's a lot of that there, too, but. Yeah. So it's a little, a little bit different. Yeah. Than just playing WoW until you get kicked out of college. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> but uh but Sardu is very nice in that like fucking very easy quest mode kind of thing. So uh your um it's very lax and yeah. you have like goals. So it's like taught me very much to uh like slow down and appreciate, you know, the little things in life, which is really great. Are you trying to <laughs> are you trying to date any of those villagers? Dude, yeah, uh is it Sebastian? Yep, yep. Everyone loves yeah. a Sebastian. <laughs> Everybody loves a sea bass, you know? Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm very, very, very much anticipating the release of fucking Animal Crossing. Oh my god, I fucking love Animal Crossing. I I have it on my 3DS, and I uh -huh. noticed when we went to um, Europe... I only ever play it when I'm traveling. So every time I travel, <laughs> I like log back in and my townspeople are like, where the fuck have you been? Look at these weeds. Clean this shit up. <laughs> right. So, so I just. Tom looks like, yeah, uh, you're late on your payments. So no, I'm sorry. I'll clean all these sorry. weeds out. And that's all I do on plane rides is I <laughs> clean my town. <laughs> <laughs> clean my town that's what it is yeah so i'm really excited for that to come out i'm gonna be playing a fuck ton of that shit good god i'm so excited yeah so good yeah well thank you so much for joining us i know it's been a really long time we're so glad to be back and and active and getting stuff done and um slowly uh, but surely learning about the systems that we're using to record and to produce this and getting better and creating better content for you the listener slash viewer soon <laughs> eventually <laughs> yeah um so we've got a new thing going on right now we actually are starting a patreon we actually have one patron already super exciting they're gonna get to listen to this episode early 
Um, but we do have a Patreon. You're just going to go to www.patreon.com slash podcast. Yes, I am 18 or older. Okay, yeah, that's correct. So it's Bite Size Podcast. Do you want to talk about the tiers? Yeah, absolutely. So um, to become just a official patron, that means that you get early access to our episodes from the Patreon app. Um, you also get to be listed as a publisher for episodes with a special shout out which we'll get to. Um, Also, you have our all-access patrons, which would be $10 a month. This would be, you'll be getting bonus episodes, things like couch co-ops, like um, little mini game reviews for indie games, things like that, uh, plus everything in the previous tier. Uh, And then a VIP patron is going to be $20 per month. That'll be doing uh, monthly Ask Me Anythings, as well as everything in the previous tiers as well. Um, So that's something that we're going to be doing Um, Also, if you have any questions for us or any comments about um, your experience with any of the consoles that we've talked about, anything like that, um, definitely hit us up either on Twitter, which is Bite Size Podcast, also Instagram, which is Bite Size Podcast, or you can email us at our uh, email, bitesizedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and we will be able to answer any of your questions. Of course, we're also going to come up with a fan content episode as well. We'll give you a little bit more information on that as the series progresses. Yes, we will. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we will. So speaking of our Patreon, um, we do have a shout out to give to one of our, our one and only, uh, patron who is helping us by subscribing. You're super, super great. And of course, you are listed as a publisher for helping this episode. So thank you so much, Beert. B-E-E-R-T. Thanks, Beert. Thank you so much, Beert, for (laughs) subscribing to our Patreon and helping us make quality content for you, our wonderful listener. And thank you so much for helping us uh, put out this uh, episode. And you are listed as well as uh, a publisher kind of person um i forget what the producer right that's what it is (laughs) you helped produce this thing you're a producer (laughs) let's be producers i don't know anyway so thank you so much for your subscription anybody else that's interested in getting access to those items as well you can hit us up on patreon like i said patreon.com slash bite size podcast So once again, folks, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you in two weeks. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.